From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Ohio State Associate Professor of Psychology, Rachika Prakash, studies the effects of lifestyle-based interventions, such as exercise training and mindfulness meditation to promote cognitive and brain health. Professor Prakash will present on Mindfulness for the Aging Brain at The Ohio State University's Science Sundays on November 12th. Welcome to Craft, Dr. Prakash. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to talk about our research program. I'd like to start with uh, just some basics and move out from there. Can you uh, describe for us what mindfulness is for those who might not be familiar with it? Absolutely. Uh, You know, mindfulness is at times considered this elusive construct that has a number of different layers. And as one engages in practices of mindfulness meditation, the layer peels off. But And there are lots of different definitions of mindfulness that tend to exist in the literature. But the one that we have adopted in our laboratory, both in terms of our research program, but also in terms of our clinical and outreach activities, is we define mindfulness as this present moment awareness. So awareness of what's happening in the present moment for you and and doing so in a framework of acceptance and non-judgment. So it's this idea that we're sustaining our attention on both the internal and external experiences of the present moment. But when we tend to attend to those, sometimes we end up judging ourselves and doing so in a non-accepting way. But the framework of mindfulness is about being accepted of our internal as well as external experiences and adopting this framework of non-judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you say that, um, and you will probably be talking about um, meditation and things uh, along those lines as they relate to mindfulness, uh, I'm reminded of the many times that I have attempted to <laughs> meditate um, and I could not stay in the moment of uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how that all sort of wraps up with the, the research that you're doing, if you, how you help people work on that aspect. Because I am the owner of one of the, as it says in your talk title, an aging brain. Yeah, I think we're all uh, either there or getting there, right? And that's why this topic is of such an interest. Aging is is uh, something that we're all going to experience at one point or another. And there's this decline that happens as a function of aging, both in terms of our physical capacities, but also in terms of our brain and cognitive capacities. Um, and, you know, what you said that doing meditation, whenever uh, someone says, oh, it's as simple as just attending to your breath, it's one of the most complicated and challenging experiences that an individual can have. Uh, And so what we start with is we engage our participants in what we call an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Uh, So we meet once a week for about two to two and a half hours, depending upon the population that I'm working with here at the Department of Psychology. And we do that for eight full weeks. And then in between those eight weeks, participants are invited to engage in meditative practice. So we start with something uh, as, again, simple as breath awareness. Can we attend to our in-breath and out-breath, right? I always say life starts with a breath and it ends with a breath. But how many times in our given day are we even focused on whether we're breathing or not? And so we start with just sitting in this quiet space where even for five minutes, can we just attend to our inhalation and exhalation, 
And almost like the experience that you had is something is an experience that almost all of us who engage in these practices have had is the bell rings. We start to engage in uh, uh, attending to our breath and the bell rings again, which uh, usually indicates the end of the practice and our mind has wandered off. We're either mm-hmm. thinking about future plans or we're thinking about what happened in the past, uh, past and very rarely so we're focused on the present moment. But slowly but steadily over the course of eight weeks, the idea is to get our attention to sustain on these uh, simple phenomena that's, that's happening to us. So we're breathing in every moment, we're having thoughts in every moment, we're attending to sensations Uh, Life is sometimes happening for us rather than us being an active participant in it. So the eight weeks is all about having a much more richer, uh, enhanced experience with all of these phenomena that are happening for us anyways. What has some of your research shown about uh, working with uh, the aging population? Absolutely. So one of the studies that uh, we're sending out for uh, public uh, for peer review uh, publication right now, we basically looked at does mindfulness training help with w- reducing what's called mind wandering? Uh, now, mind wandering is this construct uh, or, it, or it's this tendency for our minds to wander off in all of these different directions, right? It's something that we as humans are very familiar with. In fact, some research suggests that up to 50% of our lives can be spent in engaging in what the what are called these uh, mind-wandering thought processes. I might be having this conversation with you, but then thinking about my dinner plans. Or uh, this happens uh, often in lecture halls. Students are there to attend the lecture, but how many times they're actually there is questionable. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and mind wandering is sometimes good, right? It has positive benefits. In fact, I always say that I get my best research ideas when I'm engaging in mind wandering. Uh, but mind wandering also has been linked to overall levels of unhappiness. Mind wandering has been linked to challenges in focusing on a task and has a number of different ram- functional ramifications as well. And what we were able to show is that with, and we only did a four week intervention because it was a pilot study. That four weeks of uh, training in mindfulness help reduce mind wandering in older adults as compared to another group that was doing uh, some other uh, lifestyle education practices, which did not involve mindfulness. And we were able to show this uh, uh, this difference in the mind- mindfulness group. So they showed reduced rates of mind wandering on a cognitive task as opposed to the active control group. Um, Another thing that we have been looking at is does mindfulness impact these more global measures of attentional control? Uh, And what we have been able to find is that it depends upon who the older adult is. So it doesn't work for everybody. So if I compared mindfulness training with this active control group and say, does my mindfulness training group does better than the active control group in terms of attentional performance, we found, at least in our pilot study, that the answer to that is no. No. Uh, the, uh, what we did find is that mindfulness in our sample worked h- better for individuals with high working memory capacity. So you need some baseline levels of cognitive reserve almost in order to engage in these practices of mindfulness meditation. Now, this was one of the first study of its kind. So our hopefully our new R01 that we have from the National Institute of Aging will be able to replicate these findings. Now, when you say that they would need higher cognitive reserves, so it's the people with a better short-term memory that do better at curbing attention wandering? 
the mindfulness group on average did better on uh, tasks of mind wandering than the active control group. But what, uh, when you see the actual performance on cognitive tasks, what you know, whether you're doing a task of attentional control better than the other group, only people in the mindfulness group that high, had higher working memory, not short-term memory, so higher working memory, uh, they are the ones who gained the most out of the mindfulness uh, group. That's a question that I often get whenever I'm giving talks, is mindfulness the only way to improving age-related cognitive decline? Uh, and my personal opinion is that it's not. It works for some individuals and it's, it doesn't work with some individuals. I've done a lot of exercise training work as well. Uh, and that too works for certain individuals and doesn't work for other uh, individuals. In this uh, study, we did find that mindfulness worked, for worked better for individuals who had higher working memory capacity. You're a busy professor of psychology. How often do you get to engage in your own mindfulness training? And, and do you have suggestions about, say, how many times it uh, would be optimal to do that per day? So, so I wouldn't give suggestions to others in terms of uh, how many times they should do uh, do it in a day because I think that that is an empirical question that we haven't answered. Um, often in times when I finish up my eight-week programs, I have my clients and my uh, patients ask me, okay, how can we you know, make this a part of our everyday life? And a lot of our training is about, and that's why I call these lifestyle interventions because I think it's a lifestyle approach. The Formal practices are absolutely essential, you know, so sitting with yourself and engaging in these practice for whether 20 or 30 minutes a day, uh, if we can do that, that would be that would be great. But sometimes just even informal practices, right, being aware of the present moment when our emotions take over ourselves, can we just take a break and stop in between the our chaotic days and focus on our breathing and center ourselves. I think that in itself is a huge uh, accomplish for many of us who are leading these busy, uh, busy professional lives. Um, and so I think embedding these mindfulness practices in our daily life. So, uh, you know, as an academic, uh, but also as a mother of two young children, I'm often uh, feel like I'm split in two worlds where uh, the work has its strong pull, but the family life has a strong pull as well. But one of the things that has really worked out for me is to be in the present moment when I'm engaging in my work and then be in the present moment when I'm with my kids. So when I'm with my family, I keep my cell phone away because that's my family time and my lab is only, at, uh, uh, is only uh, allowed to call me if there's a real emergency in the lab. But other than that, that's my family time. But then when I'm at work, I'm, ex I'm focused extensively on work and that's my present moment. Professor Professor Rachika Prakash, I thank you very much for talking to me today, and I'm looking forward to your talk on November 12th with Ohio State University's Science Sundays, and more information about that will be on the website at graphtheshow.com. So thank you very much. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. Be creative.